Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Dustin Hockensmith. We are here to talk about Penn State, Ohio State, that god-awful 20-12 game this weekend, (laughs) Dusty. And before we get started, several weeks ago, you know we've had some appearances by Salty Jim, right? Yeah. And several weeks ago I mentioned we should have like a reserve segment, you know, of Salty Jim. Well, we're not going to do that today, okay? We're not going to reserve a segment. We are going to have an entire (laughs) show of salty Jim. I, I think it could, it could be phenomenal. It could be an all time backfire. (laughs) Yes. I don't care either way. And there's a, there's a lot of salty people uh, out there, buddy. I think, uh, I think a lot of people are going to share that sentiment with you after this. Yes. And to show you how salty I am, this is how saltiness works. We have an issue with this game that we could be salty about. But it invades your life and you become salty about everything, okay? Now, full disclosure, I think a lot of people realize this. We pre-record the show and we're actually recording this week on Sunday. And we release the show on Monday for a lot of different reasons. However, I've had a busy day today and I don't watch NFL football all that much. However, before we start recording, I just turned on the TV just to catch up, catch up on the scores. And it was the Chiefs and Chargers game. As I turned it on, they were going to... Chiefs just scored a touchdown, end of the first half. They went to a commercial break, one of those where they still keep one camera on the game for whatever is important is going on in the field. Do you know what was so important that they stayed on the field for? What's that? Taylor Swift up in the suite. (laughs) The entire time, that's what they're showing. Yeah. Then when they return to the booth, do you know what they come up with? Uh, literally, a stat comes up on the screen. Here's Travis Kelsey's performance when Taylor Swift is in attendance versus when she's not. Yeah. Then, then my friend, to top that off, Tony Romo gives an analysis of why that is your NFL football, and that's your follow- that's that's your salty gym trifecta right there too. We're going for four. One more. Okay. Okay. One. Yep. Spoke too they soon. They then go to real play one play. It's now halftime. Now they go to commercial again, which is another pet peeve. But they go. It's an advertisement for NFL clothing with all bunch of cool people, people that I would have nothing to do with because they're too cool for me. And the catchphrase at the end is the drip is in the details. Dustin, what the hell does that mean? Well, is it bad that my doctor told me that the last time I I went and saw him? (laughs) That phrase. (sighs) Yeah, but anyway, anyway, I think the people in the commercial and the language used in the commercial, it might as well be foreign to you, Jim. That's that's too young, uh, too friendly for you. And it's too hip. All right. Anyway, let's let's focus our saltiness on this game from this weekend, Dustin. 
and just your 10,000 foot view. Yeah, I mean, so here's the story of my week, by the way. So we record this typically on Sundays, sometime other days. Um, and it's very early to try to make a prediction, but I, I make one because I'm a team player. I changed my mind throughout the week is the, is the, is the long and short of it. And the reason I, why three, three reasons I, I listed. One is I decided I needed to see a Penn state win over a top 10 team anywhere, uh, let alone on the road. I needed to see, see that before I believed it. Uh, I needed to see drew Aller acing a road test, not, not passing it, acing a road test before I was ready uh, to believe that. And there was one other that surely isn't as important, but basically there, there were some things, some, some trend type things that I needed to see those things broken before I was ready to trust them. And it turns out, you know, that, that thinking was correct. And, you know, it, it's an interesting, it's a fascinating conversation to have maybe with a, a psych- psychology professional about how different rosters, different teams, you know, largely different coaching staffs, how, some of the same performance type things follow them from one year to, to the next. And I think there's just some of that going on with uh, leadership style preparedness, you know, emotionally how they're getting ready for games, whatever the common thread is, you know, James Franklin continues to really struggle in this setting uh, g- going anywhere and, and finishing the job uh, against Ohio state specifically, but there are a bunch of other examples as well. Uh, that, that you can point to over the years that they didn't finish the job. And that's just looms large, I think. And it's a big picture kind of question that it raises whenever you have that type of performance, um, especially one where I don't know if hope was ever as high as it was for this past weekend, uh, this game, you know, how Penn State's roster stacked up, uh, how the defense was playing how Ohio State was seemingly playing. You know, the the recipe was there. If you were ever going to go steal one in Columbus, this was the formula. This is what you wanted uh, to, to be going your way and couldn't make it happen then. So I saw a lot of people asking, and I'll conclude with this, uh, if not now, when? Okay, so it's not now. And I still have the question of, of when you can break through and uh, can you recover and play a much better brand of football at home against Michigan uh, when you have that opportunity? Or is that going to be more of the same too? I would imagine a lot of people are asking similar questions here on Sunday. I'm sure they are, Dusty. And I'm not going to put James Franklin's feet to the fire for what is he, 1-9, 1-10 now against Ohio State. Any more than I would put Maryland's coach, Indiana, you know, Penn State's record against those teams, it's just reversed, you know. Right. The fact is Penn State is much better than Maryland. It's much better than Indiana. And Ohio State has been much better than Penn State. And James Franklin, what he took at the beginning of his tenure was a team that is as low as low could be for a team that has been as elite as Penn State going through the sanctions and everything else. So I'm not going to put heat on him for the first five, six, seven of those losses. Let's just talk about this individual one. And I know that came up in James Franklin's press conference and someone was pushing him on it about his legacy because of Ohio State. Now, James Franklin, 
kind of dodged that question. He said, good question, but it's for another day. I'm surprised he didn't go all Corey Geiger on the guy for this was not the time right after the game because this one hurt a lot. But in talking about this specific game, I said before the game that I thought Penn State's defense was the best unit on the going to be the best unit on the field. I still think that's the case. The offense was just pick out who and what you want to blame because it was all it was awful. And it, you know, we'll get into some of those details, but that was such a bad performance. You know, this reeked of Iowa's offense, Dusty. Mm. Yeah, and that's not what you want to reek like at all. Um, I've reeked like a lot over the years. <laughs> I reek like something right now. I don't want to reek like Brian Ferentz. I don't think Mike Yersich wants to reek like that either, but it was perplexing. I mean, I, I think that's a, a good way to put it. It, it was kind of like rinse and repeat of a lot of stuff that wasn't going well. And, you know, I just had some grievances. Like there was, you know, they, they didn't do anything on the ground in the second half. Uh, you had two ripped off two long runs with Nick Singleton for 20 and 16 yards. And then you, you go pass pass out of that. You know, I just, I just have, you know, I, I just have a, a grievance with something like that. You know, you don't trip and fall over momentum of any kind in Columbus, in that environment against that team, against that defense. You don't, you know, you, and you had it on the ground there. You know, you, you have an opportunity and I think it's, it's really just uh, tossing it to your offensive linemen and, and saying, all right, guys, it's, it's on you now and just keep going with it. You know, like I, they, I think there was just stuff along the way that, um, that I just had particular issue with, but uh, it just wasn't a very inspired performance from the coaching staff either. You know, I think man, you can exclude Manny Diaz from, Anytime you have a conversation like this, because that group was ready, you know, that group played hard, that group ran to the ball. They, they, they endured, you know, the loss of chop Robinson, which is a, something to be discussing moving forward. So the, that, that defense showed up. Um, I just, a, a lot of issues with that, with that offense. And, you know, I, I don't really appreciate any scoffing at people asking the question about not creating explosive plays. Because you're bound to be down in a key situation against Ohio State and against Michigan. Even in ga- games that you win, you're bound to be down and have your back against the wall. To have to not have any of that proven and not be able to do it in that setting was just was was jarring and just not fair to the defense. And before even going into that going over the top deep plays, Dusty, they couldn't scheme a play to make five yards. Forget right. about fifty yards. And which leads me to wonder, what were they doing this last month or so, which they had essentially to prepare for Ohio State? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Did they not watch game film? Could they not? And we'll get to Maserati Marv, you know, to uh, continue my saltiness. But (laughs) were you not preparing for Ohio State? And speaking of Marvin Harrison, there were some things where he's just that good a player. Right. But there were times he was just running free. It wasn't like he was creating separation. Separation was schemed. Yeah. Did you see one play where you said, hey, Penn State's offense schemed 
a receiver open. Uh, what about the Theo Johnson big play? I mean, I, 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 I think, um, and, and I think you can spin that easily into a grievance too, about why you lost momentum with the tight ends as well. So there's another, <laughs> there's a grievance w- within that nugget of optimism there too, but yeah, th- it didn't happen much. And, uh, you know, you never got you, you never got a sense in the first quarter of this game. I think a lot of people said, all right, I see where this thing is going and it's not going anywhere good. Yes. And, and that's the thing. And we'll get into some specifics when we come back in quarter two. And I want to ask you about uh, some of the plays and the I know people are upset about the pass to run ratio. But I think my bigger pet peeve was the timing of the calls when they called run plays, when they called passing plays. We'll get into that when we come back for quarter number two. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dustin. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State, Ohio State, amongst some other things that we'll throw in. But this past week, you know, Michigan has been under investigation for stealing signs, essentially knowing the plays. I want Ohio State to be investigated, too, because they must have known the plays that were coming to be as prepared as that, or maybe or, Penn State being that unprepared. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think there was a predictability element to that. Uh, I don't think Jim Knowles ever felt uncomfortable. I'll say that. They're, they're defensive coordinator. I think he, he felt pretty sure about what was going on and how to defend it. We'll get to Drew Aller and his performance, but before we get there, Dusty, when we finished up quarter one, I was talking about the timing of the calls, when they went run, when they went past. And again, we don't know, was there an RPO in there? Was there a situation where, aha, we're looking at what the defense is presenting, and that's why we made this call? If that were the case, that's even more damning because if you said, oh, this 
defense says we got to do this particular thing, it wasn't working. But right from the start, I w- it just felt like everything was wrong. You brought up a couple examples. You know, Singleton gets off a couple big runs. They go away from that. But I'll bring up a couple more specifics. Third and one, I think it was like just this side, Penn State side of midfield, but closing in on midfield. You have third and one. Just run the ball and get the first down. They ended up passing. I think it was even tipped, but it was definitely incomplete. And it wasn't like they were passing downfield where they saw something. Hey, we could strike. Low scoring game. This is our opportunity to beat them downfield, score a touchdown on this play. If it worked, they were getting gaining like six or seven yards. Okay. Not worth the risk. Third and one. And you would think. If you're, you already should know what you're going to do on fourth down. If not, so if you pass it incomplete, is it because I'm so confident on fourth and one I'm going to run the ball? No. They set up for play, call timeout, then punt. That was just one example. Please explain that to me. Well, I mean, I think I'll take it another step towards being inexplicable in that uh, this was the coaching staff that like it looked like they would they would do the tush push quarterback sneak four times on first and 10 and do it four times in a row a couple games ago and now you don't you don't see that on on third and one and I think that I mean I think that's just kind of my point I think is that you know when push comes to shove like it's almost like there's just not really a foundation that they that they lean on you know it, what 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 is your uh you know, you, what's, what's your outlook on it? What's your, what's your motto for this? Like, what's, what is your strategy as a play caller? And it, it, it almost like it was, like got, got completely lost and it's like, um, you know, they, they're just overthinking it, you know, being outmatched and overthinking what you needed to do. Like, and, and that, that's a perfect example. Third and one, you know, they, they fell in love with the quarterback sneak for a game. You know, and and that that play should theoretically be on the table against any opponent, any location. It should travel wherever you go, and and you don't see that in that situation. You know, and I think I think that inadvertently, I think that's just a great example of uh, of the the coaching and and you know decision the decision making process. Well, what happened to that team and that creativity that we saw last year? The T formation, for example, and wax poetic about it all year. You know, they started with that being a quarterback sneak. Then they used the running backs. That They kept adding to it, keep doing something. And literally against Ohio State, they went, started in the T formation, motioned out of it, and actually threw the ball on fourth down because of the matchup it created with Tyler Warren at, at the one-on-one. They really liked that matchup. So you can see that progression, Dusty, and you could see them setting things up against a, an opponent. I, I saw none of that Saturday. Um, I mean, surely offensive coordinators in, in the past, you know, and, and probably it happened this weekend, but uh, you are, you can have some success, even though you're losing two to three spots on the offensive line, most snaps. But it seems like when that starts to happen, when you start to get engulfed a little bit up front, 
Uh, it just seems like I just picture Mike Yersich yelling into a brown bag instead of being able to focus on on you know exploring what his options are or moving the pocket for Drew Aller or whatever whatever the case might be keeping the running backs and it just doesn't seem like there's ever an adjustment to that. It's like if somebody owns the line of scrimmage uh, or shows signs of it early in in the game it's almost like lights out. Like I, I feel like Mike, Mike Yersich completely loses his way whenever that happens. Like if they're, if they're not winning at the point of attack uh, and obviously it's a difficult thing. It's, it's a foundation of both your run game and your pass game. So it's a challenge, but I feel like that's a challenge that he should be better at trying to attempt, right? Like uh, did, did you see anything that inspired optimism out of that, or there wasn't any creativity. Like the, the best parts of him disappear whenever that happens. You hit it dusty. And you know, sometimes you have a team, we've seen that with this Penn state team, the defense being so good and overwhelming the opponent's offense. But if you have a situation where you're at least comparable in the same league as your opponent, which I believe should be the case, even with Penn State's offense against the defense. It's a fair fight. And if the defense is doing something, you should have a counter to it. You know, this well, gee, they did some things we didn't expect. At least I don't think we heard that after this game. But, yes, if you're getting beat along your offensive line, are there things you could do? You screen pass because the rush is too great. Or are you getting the ball out quickly? Are you throwing on first down when they're thinking you're going to run the ball? Can Are you doing any of those things? I went into the game saying I wanted on first down, first possession. I want them to configure the easiest pass in the world for Drew Aller. I want him to be one for one and maybe pick up five yards, and I'd be happy. No, instead, they ran the ball for six yards. But, okay, fine. They now put themselves in a position of being second and four where they could run the ball a couple times and get that first down now. They pass it on second down, put themselves in third and four, and probably had to pass, and it became a three and out. Absolute worst-case scenario. But that's an example to me where I felt like they were doing everything backwards. And I don't know if it's like you said, were they out thinking themselves where they say, aha, that's probably what Ohio state is thinking. So yeah. if we think they think we're going to think different. Yeah. And I mean, again, I think through the first six weeks, coaches were pretty like James Franklin was pretty adamant that this is the persona of our team, you know, ball control offense to complement, you know, an elite defense. And it's like, okay, people can, have their gripes about creating big plays and, you know, James can have that press conference moment out, out of that from Corey Geiger and all that stuff. Um, kind of hinting at, you can just flip the switch and start doing that for starters, but also, okay. If that's your identity, if that, if that is what you truly believe your identity is, your persona, uh, how you can best serve your team is by complimenting the defense. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that. All right, then, then do that. But they were neither, the big play offense, nor what they build themselves to be for the first six weeks, you know? And I think that's just another kind of example of the coaching staff, I think just freaking out a little bit, 
you know, put having that pressure on shoulders and, you know, just not responding well to the situation and being wide eyed themselves. You know, you ask your players in a lot of times and almost every sport, it's stay within yourself and make the best play available to you, right? Like that, that, no matter what you're playing, that's probably pretty sound advice. When you start trying to do too much, it's a bad sign for everyone that you're not confident and you feel like you have to do that kind of thing in order to, to compete. That's what I feel like the coaching staff does in these games is that they step outside themselves and and they, they, they try to be people and be units and be te- a team that they're not. And I think if Penn State would have gone into and, and they would have just stuck with what they said the identity was on, on the ground, I think they might win this game. Uh, honestly, uh, you're, you're not winning the battles on the, on the perimeter. Um, you're not pass, pass protecting all that well on Drew. Like, what do you got to lose? Do the thing you've been doing the entire season. But they got away from that, too. Okay, we're going to get it before we get into 0 for 15, because I think it'll take more than a couple of minutes that we have left, <laughs> uh, uh, Dusty. Yeah. I want to ask you about the biggest play of the game. Fumble, scoop and score for Curtis Jacobs, and it's called back. You go from up 10-3 to Ohio State finishing the drive and going up 10-3. What's your thoughts on that play? Well, first of all, it's exactly the sequence that you need to go your way if you're going to win. If you're going to be a really good team on the road, you can't have that dangled in front of you and then ripped away from you. Um, on the replay, like I, I didn't, I didn't hate the holding call. Um, I, I, I just didn't hate it. Like, I, you know, was it a factor in the play? I, I don't really know. It might have been, uh, but I, I didn't think it was an illegitimate call. Uh, I just think it was just horrible, horrible luck for Penn State that such a big play uh, was a lot. You were allowed to believe in it and then have it taken away from you. So I don't think that helped anybody at all. But I didn't, I, I didn't have a big complaint about the referee throwing the flag because Kalen King, he held Marvin Harrison Jr. Like I just felt like he did. Uh, Dusty, we have less than a minute left in this segment, and I need to respond to you. And I realize that that less than a minute is not enough time for me to respond to you. I will set up my response with this. How is it over the years, it just feels like Penn State suffers from horrible timing and horrible luck on those kind of things, okay? And I also want to comment on uh, Joel Clapp made it a point to uh, say, oh, the official's not looking in the backfield. He has no idea what's going on there, so the flag's legitimate. It has nothing to do with the timing of it. So Penn State fans, you have nothing to complain about here. When we get back, this Penn State fan is going to complain, Dusty. So (laughs) (laughs) so you don't want to miss that, right? Make sure you come back and hear me complain. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. 
Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dusty, I'm Jim, and in the background, that's baby Charlotte. Also upset about the officiating from Saturday's game. And Dusty, I promised you I would give my reason for being upset about the call and why I think it's legitimate. And if you allow me to digress for just a moment, we have had in the past on our show, uh, Dustin Schutte, he worked for a Big Ten at the time, worked for a Big Ten website. And he told me a story one time. I hadn't known this ahead of time. Just to show you, it's not just about Penn State and a Penn State fan griping. Nebraska, they went through some ungodly number of games, like 20, 25 games in a row, and abs- and without one flag on its opponent for holding, okay? It was a crazy number, and finally, it went public, okay? There was a big article about it, and guess what happened in the very next game? Flag for holding. Flag for holding, okay? Yeah. So if if I think having a beef with the officiating is is legitimate, and in this particular case, where I think there's the beef is, number one, it was away from the play. It didn't affect the play. And if you watch the rest of the game, they were letting them play. There were many other plays where DBs were grabby and holding – and that was on a receiver who was the target of the pass. And they let him play. Okay? That was the tone they were setting. Let them play. Now, Joel Klatt's argument that, like, oh, the flag it went out before the um, sack and scoop. Okay, fine. Fine. Take that off the table. But what you had was a third and 11, Dusty. Third and 11. And that was an automatic first down. So it's a difference between it being a really big play or a huge play. It turned out huge because there was a strip sack. But the holding had no effect on the play. Zero. And they called it. So that's where I have my beef. Tell me I'm wrong. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, I think probably a statistical examination of – you know, especially games against Ohio State, let's say, that 
penalty and on on the road too. I mean, it's 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 a it was a trifecta of things working against you when you talk about the human flaw of the of officials in in any sport. So one is you were in you were at Ohio State. Uh, one is Ohio State was was the team, so their reputation precedes them. And then the 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 play in question featured the best player in the in the game. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who you know you think about, would get the benefit of calls because uh, because of his reputation. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's probably a grievance based on on that, the relevance of the play. Um, I mean, when you look at the play itself, like you can say it was a high degree of penalty or low degree of penalty or whatever, but you would agree that Kalen King did uh, did commit a penalty on that play, would you not? I would. And I will also counter you by saying where the game is being played and who the player was. Irrelevant, Dusty. Irrelevant. It should be. It Not should part be. Of the discussion. Listen, you you think tra- train these guys all you want, and you can definitely make a case that they're not trained well, well enough. <laughs> uh, train them all you want. But when you get out there, like put yourself in a, a black and white striped shirt and let's say there's a 50-50 call in Beaver Stadium in a whiteout, what direction are you going to go? The one where 110,000 people hate your guts and yell at you or the one that keeps the crowd happy at home? Of course, you're not supposed to let these things affect you, but they do affect human beings making these calls. And we're not we're not yet at a place where robots can be scrambling around the field making these calls. Well, I think the problem is, Dusty, that when you officiate, there's a tone that is often set, okay? What you're going to call and what you're not. And one of the things is I have more experience officiating basketball. And sometimes you literally start the game calling it really, really close just to let people know. We're not letting this game get out of hand. The problem is when you establish that, you have to follow through with that couple weeks ago I think it was the Illinois game they called the personal foul early that it it could have gone either way you know it wasn't blatant wasn't one of those that they had to call it but they did what they established there was now we got to call these if they're close again especially if it's the opposing team if you call a close one on Penn State you then have to call a close one on Illinois And all of a sudden, the official becomes part of the game, which is what you really don't want to do as an official. When you're you're chasing chasing equity is a bad place to be. You're not you're not making calls for the right reasons at any point. Exactly, and I will admit, officiating basketball, where sometimes there's multiple guys could have been called for the foul. You pick one out, you make the call, and I realize it's kind of unfair to that guy. You know what? I'm kind of looking out for him later in the game. Yeah. Exactly like you said, chasing equity. So here you have a situation where, you know, it should have been no harm, no foul away from the play. Because if I'm going to start calling it, I better keep calling it. And like I said, I thought the tone was established. We're not going to call. Yes, if if the pass had gone to Marvin Harrison and they restricted him, which they did, technically you're right. It was holding. It was holding. However, my bet is you could have probably thrown a flag for holding about 20 more times in this game or in any game, you know? So it's like, when is it a factor? So, and I kind of resented the way Joel Klatt responded for that because 
And especially, I, I think, as a Penn State fan, there's been enough plays over the years to make it legitimate to be upset with it. I kind of resent Joel Klatt's presence on Earth sometimes. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think he has good moments. Uh, I, I think his analysis is, is okay uh, when it's just straightforward and comes from the right place and it's just about football. When he gets into, like, the the showman mode, I do not care for him much. And it happens sometimes when 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 he's on the play on, on the broadcast. But I'm just not a I'm not a fan of of that. I'm also not a fan at all of Maserati Marv. I will I will not allow that. I will never call him that. I won't hear anybody call him that. And I don't know what like it's like the, the Chris Berman effect with with Gus Johnson. You know, like, don't force a nickname on me. Don't, like, especially when it's stupid. That's dumb. Yes. 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 And I'm with you 100%. All right. Since we we beat that uh, bogus penalty to death there, Dusty, let's move on. Because I think we we still got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. And let's talk about Drew Aller. I'm going to start being complimentary. I absolutely hated and loved his response afterwards. I felt so bad for him, but I loved how much he took it to heart and took responsibility for his performance. With that said, though, it was not a good performance by him. No, and I, I think um, you, I think he showed this tendency on on the road a bit. His self belief meter is not nearly as full on the road as it is at home. Like that's just a fact of the matter. That's probably typical of of most freshmen. But it affects him. You know, it affects his mechanics when he's right. His mechanics are terrific, which is why he gets so much good velocity and he, he throws it with such. He, he's capable of throwing it with such accuracy. His mechanics, when his mechanics are right, that's when you see the best of Drew Aller. His mechanics aren't really right ever on the road. And they were, they looked especially wrong early in this game. Like what I saw was uh, rushing through his drop back, whether that's inspired by the pressure that he was facing or expected to face, or it was the game or the moment, or, you know, just feeling urgency to, to make a play. You know, he was rushing out of his plant foot. And his legs never got back under him again. It was like he was throwing off, you know, half a base a lot of the time. And uh, and you're, I just don't think you're ever going to be successful that way. And I just think uh, the the road issue it continues. You know, I don't think it's an unsolvable issue um, when you're losing up front and your wide receivers aren't getting any separation. And I don't think the coaching staff was helping you as well as they could have helped you. You know, a lot was working against Drew, but I think his mentality and I think his, you know, where he was at from a a calmness perspective wasn't where it needed to be to settle in and beat a really good team on the road. And so I don't know how you go about conquering road woes now. Like I think probably if he's not working with a, with a, you know, a, a sports psychologist at this point, I'm guessing that probably will come. Uh, a lot of this stuff is natural. A lot of people are working with mindset coaches in a lot of sports. Uh, I'm sure that Penn State has that available to their players, but I think it's just something that a young player has to work through. And when you have that going on and you don't have, you know, really premium support and your, uh, your playmakers are outmatched and your offensive line is a bit outmatched, that's how 10 for 30 happens. And that's where 
you know, I said about calling a play, call the easiest pass play in the world, whatever it takes to get him one for one, you know, to start the game. And I compared what he's went through to what uh, opponents of Penn State's defense have been going through. Dusty, I swear you could watch a, this Penn State defense and you kind of see the point where they, all right, they've gotten through to the quarterback. He's now shook. He's he's seeing Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac in, in his sleep now. You know, they just are in his head. And I think that's what happened to Drew Aller. I think he was rushing everything. So some of those passes where they say, oh, you know, the wide receivers aren't getting open, which they weren't. But it was also he had to pass out so fast before the receiver fully made his break, you know, to clear and to get open. And that was a quarterback who was rushed. Yeah, he he. I mean, and, and it's always when, whenever you talk about a quarterback being rushed, you know, a lot of times it's for real. It's in his face. The pressure's there. But a lot of times that play clock speeds up for a quarterback. And this play clock, I think, was fast for Drew Aller at the start. And the way the game went, it only got faster as he went. He didn't settle in. I think he more settled into that in a hurry mode. And, you know, I think I'm still a believer in his talent. I'm still a believer in, in his upside. And I think he can have really bright moments down the road. But I think, you know, like a, an approach needs to, to a approach change needs to happen. And he needs playmakers. And Dusty, you say, how does this get fixed on the road? I think it's experience, you know, yeah. get out on the road. He's now got this under his belt. Hopefully there are lessons learned from this. And it's obvious it is a road issue now. All right. Still got more to talk about, Dusty. We'll do that when we come back for quarter number four. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. 
he's Dustin. I'm Jim. We're wrapping up our coverage of that Penn State-Ohio State game. Dusty, we'll get to the defense in a second, but just one last question on this offense. You know, a lot of people did not do a good job. Drew Aller didn't do a good job. I'm not sure that uh, the offensive line did a good job. Probably Coach Franklin didn't do a good job. I'm particularly hard on Mike Yursich and the play calling, the game plan. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it just, like everything, it was like a broken record began in quarter number one. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like a, a lot of the same outcomes it felt like and a lot of the same approach and and not really a lot was adjusted. The, the things that were bogging down plays did the same thing for, you know, the entire game. And I think that's where it really comes in. Like, I, you know, like these, these guys, if, if you, you know, try to simplify the game of football to James Franklin, like he will laugh in your face. Like the, these guys, I think sometimes really feel like they're sending rockets to space or something. Like I know football is more complicated than, and I, and I don't grasp all the details of all the plays or nor am I privy to all those details. So I, I get it. But sometimes I just I just think they're they're making this a lot bigger than it needs to. Sometimes that's that's just what it, what it seems like. And I and I, I don't think Yursich responds very well um, to that losing up front in the trenches. And you know I certainly like there are teams out there like how many offense like you can have a good offense without a great offensive line, right? Like I know. I know you're hamstrung by it a lot of times, but you know, I think like the Kansas city chiefs, for example, work around offensive line issues all the time. Uh, Pat Mahomes get it, but uh, I think you can do it. But when, when the momentum starts to work against Penn state and you can start to see the, the, the breaks in the dam uh, on, on these plays, I don't know that Mike Yersich knows how to respond to that. Right, like it just seems like we've seen that other times, like Illinois, that was happening. And and you know what, Dusty, the fact is there are some things where I'm learning more and more as we have people like T. Frank on our show who really scouts, Coach Caduti, and you learn some of these things and you find out it truly is not rocket science. And some of the things, there was a third and two play where Nick Singleton lost three yards, okay? So they ran the ball on the play, and this may sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth when I was complaining that they didn't run the ball on third and short the other time. Yeah. However, this third and two, Joel Clatt points out there was no safety, okay? Yeah. Everybody was up in the box. <laughs> so giving the ball to your running back is not the answer on that play, Okay. Not rocket science when right. you're reacting to some of the things the defense does. But did they see that and say, well, we're not going to react to that? Or, you know, like I said, the the other one, my other pet peeve, I was so sure, Dusty, they were waiting six weeks to allow Drew Aller to actually run the ball on these read options because – the defense knows scouting the first half of the season. He gives the ball to the running back every single time. So when are you going to do something different? And that's not rocket science. And it's not a case, well, well, we're never going to let Drew run the ball because we're afraid of injury. 
he does run the ball. They do have that happen. So I'm thinking there are some simple concepts that I, I just don't know if they're out thinking themselves or underthinking. It just isn't there, and I question it. So let, let's go to something positive for at least the, the one half of one quarter, Dusty, which is the defense. It still just keeps coming up big. And when, oh, when are other teams going to learn, don't pick on Daquan Hardy. If, if you hadn't learned before Saturday, you should have learned now. But you should have also learned in advance of that because he has shown it week in, week out uh, since he since he got into the lineup. And, you know, punt return is just sort of a bonus at this point. But he, is, he has performed at a high, high level there. And it's really it's such a game changer against almost anybody, you know, when your slot corner is that good and you can ask your, your slot corner to play on the outside sometimes, like when, when you've got that guy, that is such a weapon. But in, in this game, the, the concern wasn't so much the depth of, of Ohio state's wide receivers, you know, with the Mecca Buka out, uh, it took a little bit a bite away from that. the The issue really was that number one guy. So Hardy factored in, obviously, but uh, and he was probably Penn State's top performer uh, in this game. But uh, you know, like I, th- without being able to, you know, limit what Marvin Harrison Jr. does, it's it's just eventually, just like just like last year, eventually Ohio State kind of takes takes over that way. That, bringing up Marvin Harrison, and I hate to be critical at all of the defense because they held this team to twenty points, and it should have been it should have been even less dusty, as we yep. both know, right? Anyway, looking at the statistics, Marvin Harrison was targeted sixteen times. The next highest number was five. It didn't look like Penn State was doubling him. It didn't look like they were saying, oh, we got to make sure we know where he is all the time. He made some really special plays that said, you know what? He's Marvin Harrison, okay? Yeah. But but out of his 11 completions, there were a lot of them. He was just running free, not doing anything particularly special, which makes me think he was schemed open more than he got himself open by doing anything and- special, Dusty. And I know it's an oversimplification to to really get into why can't they control him kind of thing. But really, truly, this was a don't let that guy beat us and we'll take our chances. Th- that, was, that was this game. There wasn't any other offense. You know, Cade Stover made a couple of nice plays, the, the tight end. Uh, you know, Mayan Williams had, had a couple of nice runs, but he averaged less than three yards per carry. Uh, Kyle McCord wasn't connecting really in a threatening way with any other wide receivers. It really was a Marvin Harrison Jr. kind of thing. And it's hard to defend the run and and, uh, double or triple a guy uh, on a given play. But, man, it's just two years in a row to see 21 catches over those two years. And what it ended up being – 347 yards, I think, in, in the two matchups together. You know, like Marvin Harrison Jr. and JT Tuamolau are the two reasons that Ohio State is 2-0 and the last two years. They are. And well, let's now talk, Dusty, what now? 
what going forward, you know, I'll ask the question that I didn't think was, uh, you know, legitimate about James Franklin's legacy. Where James Franklin's not going anywhere, folks. Okay. Right. He's not. I don't think Mike Yursich is going anywhere. He's not. So now what if you're James Franklin? You got to pick up these pieces somehow. Yeah, you do. And, you know, there's still a lot to play for this season. Um, Penn State was down and out in 2016 multiple times. Big time. Like, I think down and out after Pitt, down and out after Michigan, down and out in the first half against Minnesota. Like, being down and out doesn't mean the season's done. So there's still a ton to play for. Um, You're coming back home. It always seems to be Indiana after Ohio State. Every time your your soul's ripped out of your body by Ohio State, there's Tom Allen clapping his ass off on the sidelines for for Indiana. Like it just always seems to be. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think they do okay once they're out of that funk. So it's funk time, you know. Beaver Stadium's funk time th- this weekend, and I don't know what turnout's going to be like or energy is going to be like for that one. It might be low. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think Penn State fans are going to take some are going to need some time after this Saturday. Like this is this if it feels like an indictment on the entire program that you know the, the the way your team matched up with Ohio State this time around. I don't care if it was home or away or whatever. Uh, it matched up better than it might ever again, you know. And 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 you couldn't make not only couldn't make a win happen but really didn't even come close. You know, I think a lot of people are soul searching. James Franklin's probably soul searching right now. Well, I think the important thing is uh, how they handle their drip going forward, Dusty. Now, (laughs) mandatory. (laughs) With that said, there literally can be everything still in front of them. You beat Michigan. You have them at home and Michigan beats Ohio state. There's a very good chance you win the tiebreaker and you can become the Big Ten champion. And it it comes down to they get, and you know, our colleague Andy talked about this last week. They get a second bite at the apple. And and if we're talking positives, if you're gonna win one matchup, lose one matchup, Ohio State, Michigan, in terms of timing, you would rather lose the first one and win the second one, would you not? If Mich- let's say Michigan's ranked number one in the country, or maybe still number two behind Georgia at, at that point in time, uh, and you win that game at that time, I don't know how it all ends up working out, you know, as far as the the Big Ten title and all that. But you know, you're a one loss team that played an eight point game, a one possession game uh, on the road at Ohio State, and you beat Michigan at home. I mean, your resume looks pretty darn good at that point, but. Uh, it's tough to look at the product that was out there on Saturday and and project a win over a Michigan team that just took their lunch last year. It, it is, Dusty, but as you pointed out, this is a team that in 2016 got waxed by Michigan and came yep. back and beat Ohio State. This is a team that even last year got waxed by Michigan, and when they got Ohio State at home, I'll call them the better team for three and a half quarters. Yes, the heart was broken, but it was a much different game. And I I don't think it's a coincidence that they did better at home. So, you know, it's now up to James Franklin and Mike Yursich and Drew Aller. 
to put the pieces back together. I think they can do it, you know, and I think there is still a lot to play for and weirder things have happened than that. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's had somebody in Beaver Stadium dressed as a student for the past uh, four or five home games, getting all the latest intel. So it might be tough from that standpoint, but I think Penn State could maybe still do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's finish it there on the positive note. There is still hope for this team, Dusty. And you know what? Indiana cures a lot of ills. That is it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.